0: In the rugged Scottish Highlands, local townspeople were afraid. Many of their neighbours had gone missing without a trace. Was it the work of the red-cap goblins, or the dreaded water kelpie? They weren't sure, but when limbs began washing up on the shores, the townsfolk knew something was out to get them. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. What's up, everyone? I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history,
1: or you absolutely hate it,
0: this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. So, Dakota, guess is about
1: today's talk. Podcast Monster. <laughs> Uh ah, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no! You were just like so quick to that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure if history serves me well, Loch Ness Monster is Scottish. Yes. Oh really? <laughs> that was a guess. <laughs> but go me. Uh, and as we know, he loves eating people, mm. but he doesn't like hands and feet. You know. <laughs> So he's like, patooey, it's like the bones of the chicken wing, you know, you don't eat those. No, that's weird. So he spits them out onto the shorefront, and it's also sending a message to the Scottish, being like, let this be known, I exist, Mm -hmm. I definitely exist, (laughs) and and am not a myth.
0: Okay. Well, actually, today's Wicked Wednesday episode...
1: Wicked Wednesday!
0: ...is about a cannibalistic clan in (gasps) Scotland... That ate over 1,000 people over the span of 25
1: years. A cannibalistic clam. Clan. Oh, that's still exciting, but...
0: Wait, did you actually think I said clam? No, no,
1: no, no. <laughs> but but it would be funny if it was a clam and he just eats other clams. <laughs> I'm gonna get you! Yep. <laughs>
0: so, specifically, we're gonna be talking about the head of the family, Alexander Sonny Bean.
1: Sonny Bean. Yeah.
0: So what's your gold nugget?
1: My golden nugget. Is that we are both on holidays right now. Oh, that was my
0: golden nugget.
1: Well, okay. Well, I'm going into... It wasn't just about that. It's also that we're playing board games. Was that yours too? No. Okay. So last uh, Feb break, we spent the entire time watching Marvel movies. (laughs) And and, eating Pizza Hut. And eating Pizza Hut. Because nobody (laughs) outpizzes pizzas the Hut. I think Uh, you stole that from somebody. Absolutely. That's from G4. Uh, So thanks for calling me out on my plagiarism. (laughs) Teach uh so That's what i gotta do yeah so we went and bought some uh, more games we bought this game uh called everdell right it's so
0: cute it is
1: it's cool you you build like a little village with uh critters of, of, like critters if you played animal crossing it's kind of like a chill kind of vibe like that yeah um and we yeah. also
0: played seven wonders duel yeah we also got seven Wonders and i got duel. really angry
1: yeah 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 <laughs> so she thought she won The game by doing this special action. Well, to
0: start with, Dakota was taking all the resources and I I literally literally had one piece of wood so I couldn't do anything and I was like, I'm going to lose. And I was so mad because he kept getting all the free stuff and I don't like losing. I'm really competitive and this just for whatever reason made my blood really boil.
1: Well, I have to say that most people agree that you really only need One big piece of wood. Stop it. (laughs) So, yeah. So she thought she won by this other action. Yeah, if
0: you get a certain number of science cards, you win. And so I thought that I needed to have seven, just seven total science cards.
1: And I had that. You need six different ones. Yeah. So she claimed she won. I looked at the rules. I was like, no fam. And then she was like, just boiling angry.
0: He tried to shake my hand and I was like, I physically... Was so mad that I, I couldn't, I just, there. Was, I just couldn't shake his hand. I was like, I will, I will have a fit if I shake this man's hand.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> so I'm really fun. She's so fun to play games with, so. No, but usually
0: I am. Like, yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, I don't usually win board games, which is interesting because um, I am so competitive, competitive, and so it does make me angry, but I yeah. also really love playing them. Yeah. So... Um, but for whatever reason, that night I was I was raging. I was ver- I, like I went completely silent, and I
1: like <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't... And then I I uh she won the game. I did win the game. Yeah, we ended it right there. Not kidding. <laughs> we didn't keep going. <laughs> well, because she you won. knew my
0: strategy. Yes. So <laughs> if he if we had kept playing, he would have known my strat, and then he would have prevented me. Right? Like guys. Right. I'm in the right here. So. so... <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so So give in to poor losers, I guess, is the Stop, message.
0: <laughs> I'm not a poor loser. If I hadn't like, if I hadn't said, I got all the sciences, I yeah, win you know. if I had just been like I won and then you're like, No, you didn't because yeah. of this reason and you didn't know what my strat was, I would have been like, Okay, let's keep playing. Because yeah. the next science card would have made me win. Yes. But you would have known I was going for that, so you would have prevented me and it just wouldn't have been fair. And then I would have been even more angry, and then you probably would have been sleeping in the basement.
1: Oh, really? Okay, okay. Well, I'm glad we ended it there. Because I won. You won. Definitely won. So, yeah, so we've been playing that, and then we got an expansion for Wingspan, which we haven't played yet, but it's European birds. Yeah. So we're going to play that uh, soon. And, uh, yeah, this uh, break is all about board games. So that's what is right. your golden nugget?
0: Uh, my golden nugget is just that I'm on holidays. That's, oh, that's it. it.
1: Oh, so. I'm less exciting. So than So mine's you, I guess. better than yours is yes. what you're saying. Well, I didn't say that, but yeah. essentially, what, what, yes. What about uh, something we did on our break is we went out to check our new house.
0: We did, yeah. So we have a basement now. It's very yeah. exciting.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about moving in early. <laughs> so. <laughs> It'll be cold and drafty. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. I didn't expect there to be a basement there already, but. No, me neither. There is. Yeah. And I'm yeah. pumped.
0: Yeah. I do just want to say, like, just being on holidays can be a golden nugget, right? Like, we don't have to be doing something on the holidays.
1: Yeah, but like.
0: No, the rest is important. Just resting.
1: You know what, though? I just need to know that since you beat me at Seven Wonders, I beat you at this. Fine. I beat your golden nugget. Fine. Because I had the same golden nugget as you, plus something. That's fine. Fine. So. Fine. And also, you got to give something to the listeners, not just, I'm on holidays. Oh, that's exactly what Dakota said, but shittier. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I think we've realized that that's kind of the MO of the, this podcast. The story of
1: <laughs> our lives? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's hear about the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. I mean, cam- cannibalistic clams.
0: All right, so I want to preface this story with the caveat that maybe, perhaps, not everything in it is true. However, it is a story that is told, and that the story exists is something that can be studied by historians. Um, But I can't verify the claims Mm. of this story as 100% truth, and neither can people
1: who study it. You could totally be talking about the Loch Ness Monster there.
0: (laughs) You're right, you're right. All right, so the story of the Bean family appeared in the Newgate Calendar, which was a crime catalog of Newgate Prison in London. It was written down, but it lacks sufficient evidence to be deemed true by historians.
1: I was just picturing a sexy calendar of these criminals or whatever. First time we saw the Bean family, they were all nude in this sexy calendar. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) I think calendar kind of means, like, um, in this case, like a tabloid. I think the word maybe has changed a bit. I'm not
1: sure. I see. What, what, What time period was this?
0: um so, so okay so it was written down in like the 18th century mm-hmm. and apparently it happened in the 16th century oh okay yeah so there's a discrepancy there but anyways um the myth of the bean family has passed into local folklore and has become part of an edinburgh tourism circuit so if we go to edinburgh we can
1: where is that oh that's in, in scotland. scotland yeah
0: we can go on the tour and see this family's
1: Ooh. crimes Ooh, we get to see the the Feet and hands that have... That's the one. Flown on the... Floated? Floated on the land. Yep.
0: I first learned about this gentleman through TikTok, and I just want to say that I was pretty mad about it because the TikToker was like, this is real 100% fact. Mm. It was very clickbaity, and that made me mad as a real historian. Uh, Yeah. Because he should have been like, I can't
1: verify this. That makes me mad as a reluctant historian. Right?
0: So let's be better historians, folks.
1: Yeah. Come
0: on now. All right, Sonny Bean. According to the Newgate Calendar, a tabloid publication from the 18th and 19th centuries, uh, he was born in East Lothian in Scotland during the 16th century. Bean's father was a ditch digger and a hedge trimmer, and Sonny tried to take up the family trade, but quickly realized that he was not fit for this work. Other sources say that he was born in the 15th century and was a tanner by trade, or maybe even a farm laborer.
1: He just tans out in the sun for a living? Yeah. I don't know what a tanner. is. Oh, is they... Is like a cow thing?
0: Yeah, they're like a leather worker. Oh, I see. Yeah. um, It's hard to know for sure what he did because his early life was not as well documented as his later life. It's said that Bean's home life was at best a horrible upbringing and that he was often beaten by his father for never quite being a good enough son. As Bean got older, he attempted to become the son his father had always wanted by taking on the duties of adulthood and joining the workforce. Due to his reckless attitude, a natural-born urge to disobey rules, and a deep hatred for actual work, Bean completely failed in his attempts at earning an honest living, once again disappointing his father.
1: Tale as old as time. Lazy millennials, am I right?
0: <laughs> Eventually, Bean tired of trying to fit in and stopped all attempts at being a productive member of his community. It was at this point that he began a relationship with a woman named Agnes Douglas, this relationship soon saw Agnes and Bean flee from their homelands after locals began to make accusations that Agnes was a witch and claiming that she had been involved in human sacrifices and conjuring demons.
1: So just a quick aside, my one of my um, early nicknames in my life was Agnes. actually Yes. Teresa. No, my cousins. My Ah. guy cousins, for whatever reason, just just called me Agnes. So, listeners, as you listen to this story, I want you to picture me as Agnes, okay? Okay. (laughs) I'm married to Sonny Bean.
0: Yes, and you are practicing human sacrifices and conjuring demons.
1: Well, that part's true, so (laughs) this whole Christian thing is just a ruse. (laughs) That's fair.
0: From that point on, she was known as Black Agnes Douglas, the Dark Witch of Lothian. Bean and Agnes traveled through southern Scotland robbing anyone and anyone who was unfortunate enough to come across their path. Um, I guess that's better than being a tanner. Becoming a robber. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it is at this time that some of the legends claim that Bean got his first taste of human flesh. Because what goes better with robbery than a side of man flesh?
1: That's what I've always thought.
0: In actuality, because they were outlaws, it made it risky for Agnes and Bean to enter into villages and try to spend their stolen loot on food. Thus forcing them to go hungry. Facing starvation, Agnes convinced Bean that cannibalism was the solution. <laughs> it was rumored that Black Agnes was actually already practicing this form of dining long before her relationship with Bean ever started.
1: This makes sense, because like I'm really into cannibalism as it as it is, so for the listeners, it's not that big of a stretch to picture me as Agnes. Come on, try it. <laughs> it just tastes like chicken.
0: Ew. <laughs> But I also want our listeners to remember our episodes about witches and the unjust persecution they faced. So when I hear this that they were like, it was Agnes who started it, I do wonder it because the whole patriarchy and fuck a witch and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, fuck Agnes. Who is me?
0: Agnes and Bean did not want to draw attention to themselves. So at this time, they kept their eating of humans to a minimum. They would only eat when they absolutely had to, and they would dispose of the remains in a fashion that would make it look as if the cause of death had been an animal attack. After traveling and hiding out for several months, the pair eventually wound up on the South Ayrshire coast near a place called Ballantrae. While looking for potential victims, Bean and Agnes came across the entrance to a cave overlooking the water. The couple discovered the cave during low tide, but soon realized that once the tide had risen, the entrance was no longer visible. It was completely submerged in water. The cave itself was a mile into the earth at a steady incline, meaning that when the tide came in, it did not come into the cave entirely, just up to the point of high tide. Bean and Agnes realized that this would be the perfect hideout for themselves and a great place to raise a family. The Bean family was actually able to live here undiscovered for approximately 25 years. Holy shit! Immediately after setting up home in their cave, Bean and Agnes took their crimes to the next level. They began robbing people on a regular basis, but they were very careful to never leave a witness. They would stick to only attacking a single person, and then would bring the entire body back to their cave to be pickled and preserved for later eating.
1: Yum! There's nothing I like more than pickled human.
0: Since they were at the time unknown to anyone in the area, they were able to spend any cash from their victims in town to buy the essential necessities. Okay,
1: I was wondering how they would pay for stuff if they, uh... But they moved, so, you know, people don't know them in this town. Yes. And they're keeping things very discreet, so they're yes. able to actually spend the money. Because I was like, well, what's the point of robbing them if you're, you know, aren't able to right. spend any of it?
0: Right, yeah. Because you live in a cave, so you don't really have to pay for
1: anything. Yeah. There's no, like, rent or, like, you know, it's, it's fairly rent-controlled there, so... <laughs> So yeah. Um anyways, any traceable or easily
0: identifiable goods from their victims were stashed back in their cave, leaving no evidence that there was a murderous cannibal couple living in the area.
1: <laughs> maybe there's a murderous ca- a cannibalistic couple living near us. Who knows? We you don't know? know. We wouldn't know. You know, maybe they're doing the same thing. Maybe it's us. <laughs> Who's to say?
0: Also around this time, Bean and Agnes began having children. They eventually went on to have eight sons and six daughters all of whom were raised to be part of this cannibalistic, cult-like lifestyle.
1: Did Bean... did he deliver them?
0: I don't know how it worked. Huh. I mean, you know, 15th century birth giving was a little bit different.
1: Yeah, you just were like sitting on the crapper and you're just taking a crap, and all of a sudden it falls out of you. That's how it works. That's how it works, isn't it? Yep.
0: (laughs) As the children grew up, they were incorporated into the killings, sometimes hunting as a large group, or other times splitting up into smaller groups to cover more ground and increase their profit. Eventually, I hate this part. Eventually, Bean wanted to expand the family even more, so he encouraged the children to breed with each other and built him an army—an army of murderous inbred cannibals.
1: I want to say that I did not support my husband in this. Okay, I was like, "No, incest is wrong," and he said, "You didn't understand." I, do, I can do a Scottish accent. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait, wait. I'm gonna channel my inner um. Uh, Sean Connery. The only line I know from him, which is a line from SNL, I'm pretty sure, which is "Your mother was a whore." So I want our children to grow and give us many children. That's that's my Scottish accent. This so, it's not good. <laughs>
0: this act brought 18 grandsons and oh. 14 granddaughters into the family.
1: Jesus, that's a lot of incest.
0: Yeah. So by my count, that's 48 members. Wow. Lacking the desire or inclination for regular work, the Bean Clan thrived by laying careful ambushes at night to rob individuals or small groups, and they would continue to bring the bodies back to the cave, where other members of the family would dismember them and prepare the bodies for eating.
1: This is crazy, because, like, regular work seems easier than this. Truth. (laughs) Like, they're lazy in a sense, but then in the other sense, they're not. They're very, yeah, industrious. Yeah, because, like, I would rather just, you know go be a chimney sweep then do all this shit that's related to
0: dismemberment dismemberment and, stuff pickling and murder pickling,
1: yeah i mean well no that's how that part sounds good but other than that other than the pickling i'm not for it okay
0: okay the clan discarded some body parts which would sometimes wash up on nearby beaches which only served to reinforce the belief of animal attacks the body parts and disappearances did not go unnoticed by local villagers but since the Bean clan stayed in their cave by day and took their victims at night, it was hard to say it was a group of people committing these deeds. And in fact, the Bean clan was able to continue their clandestine murders for close to 25 years. Wow! But alas, all murderous things must come to an end. Yeah. The killings had become so numerous. So like I said, like some people think a thousand. Oh, wow. The killings had become so numerous that town folk from areas further out began to make accusations and spread rumors against each other. They knew something was up, but they couldn't pinpoint what. The number of missing people in the area over the 25-year span was said to have been a 1,000. I already said that, but it's written down, so I have to read it. (laughs) Of course. And the explanations for what was happening was varied. One common story was that the local innkeepers had been robbing and killing the missing people. This rumor was so widespread that many of the innkeepers actually left the business to move on to new careers out of fear of being hung by the townspeople. Oh, wow. Another rumor claimed that there were some kind of evil beasts living in the wilderness surrounding the villages. A malevolent murderous goblin called a red cap was a popular answer for the disappearances. A red cap is said to inhabit ruined castles along the Anglo-Scottish border, especially where scenes of tyranny or wicked deeds occurred, and they are known for soaking their cap in the blood of their victims.
1: Soaking their cap like their hat. The
0: little little chapeau. Uh,
1: <laughs> okay.
0: I'll tell you a little bit more about them because they were cute yeah, or cool. Well,
1: less cute cute murderous <laughs> just like putting their hat in blood and my wife thinks that's cute <laughs> and i'm the monster because i eat people with my husband bean okay
0: they are depicted as a short thick-set old elf with long prominent teeth skinny fingers armed with talons like eagles large eyes of a fiery red color grizzly hair streaming down their shoulders iron boots a pike staff in their left hand and a red cap on their head when travelers take refuge in their lair, they fling huge stones at them until they are dead. They are unaffected by human strength, but can be driven away by words of scripture or the brandishing of a crucifix, which will cause them to utter a dismal yell and vanish into flames, leaving behind a large tooth.
1: What? <laughs> a large tooth? Why? Yeah, I don't know. Do you, if you, uh, is there called red caps? Mm-hmm. So if you, like, plant the tooth, does a red cap grow? Is that how that works? <laughs> I don't
0: know. I just thought that was interesting. I was like, what, what's with the
1: tooth? Yeah, that's that's really weird. Like, maybe a souvenir or something. Like in The Witcher 3, when you when you kill a a, a mighty beast and then you get to take a prize for mm. yourself, the yeah. prize is in this case is the tooth. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: probably true, actually. So some people believe these red caps were the cause of all the disappearances, while others claimed it was actually a kelpie that was doing the attacking. A Kelpie is a Scottish mythological creature that is said to live in the lochs and rivers and comes onto land to appear to you as a horse or a pony.
1: Hmm.
0: Once you climb onto the back of a Kelpie, as in its pony form, it rushes back into the water, taking you right into the depths with it.
1: To its master, Loch Ness.
0: That's true. Yeah. And then you drown. Damn. Uh, So what I find interesting about the theories of the Red Cap and the Kelpie is that both get some aspects of the actual murders right. The water in the Kelpie story relates to how the Bean Clan lived in a water cave, and the Red Cap lived in cave-like layers themselves. So, maybe the villagers were onto something. Maybe. (laughs) Whatever the case, the people knew something was amiss, and several organized searches were launched to find out what was actually happening. On one of the searches, the group actually did see the cave where the Beans were living— but the men refused to believe that anything human could live there. However, the Bean Clan's time was almost up.
1: What? Not my family. You'll never take us alive. In approximately
0: 1430, so again, like, the dates are weird here, the Bean Clan slipped up. On the night in question, the family was broken up into several small groups while out hunting. One of the groups came across a man and his wife riding on horseback, and they looked like to be easy targets. However, to the surprise of these cannibals, the man wasn't ready to go down without a fight. A literal life-or-death fight broke out, right in the middle of the road. The man so happened to be armed with a sword and a pistol, and was actually well-trained in battle and able to keep them at bay. His wife, however, was not so lucky. She was dragged from her horse, murdered, and partially devoured right there on the road.
1: Wait, so they're not even cooking these people? They're just straight up just eating them? Apparently. Jesus
0: all while her husband was fighting off his own set of attackers.
1: You know, after a thousand people, I'm surprised it took a thousand and one before (laughs) someone fought back and was successful.
0: Yeah. Another larger group of people had been traveling further back down the road and came upon the mayhem just in time to save the man from his own death at the hands of the Bean family. When the Beans heard the crowd approaching, they began to scatter in every direction. Running frantically, they eventually made their way back home to their cave. After collecting the remains of his wife, the man and this new group of allies made their way back into town to inform the local authorities. Word,
1: I never want to have to collect the remains of you. <laughs> Be like, ah, oh, her head's over there. I'll grab that. Her foot. Oh uh, no, I don't like those. I don't like feet. I'll throw that away. You know.
0: That's. I was thinking more like her intestines were splayed across the ground. Oh. But you, yeah, that's oh, true. There's
1: the boobs. Got to grab those. Stop it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>
0: Word quickly got back to King James I of Scotland, who is said to have dispatched nearly 400 armed men, including himself, and bloodhounds to hunt down Alexander Sawney Bean and his deranged family. It was the tracking dogs who picked up the bean scent and led the group to the cave entrance, where they could smell the pungent odour of the decaying corpses. They were
1: tracking dogs way back then? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting.
0: Upon entering the cave, they found drying body parts hanging everywhere and vast amounts of stolen jewellery and heirlooms scattered all around the floor. So there are two versions of what happened next. The most common of the two is that to the surprise of the hunting party, the Bean family gave up without a fight, surrendering themselves to the king and his men. Forty-six people were captured, bound in chains, and marched to Edinburgh that day to await their execution. They were not offered a trial because the people saw them as subhuman and unfit for one. The women and the children were hung on stakes, so though maybe James was talking to Vlad, Um, they were hung on the stakes and temporarily left alive to watch the men of their clan be slaughtered. As for the men, they were slowly dismembered, starting with their genitalia being cut off and thrown into a fire. Fuck me. Then their hands and feet were cut off and they were left to bleed to death as a reflection of their own cruelty.
1: I'm so glad I'm a woman in this story.
0: Then Agnes and the other women were set on fire.
1: Yeah, I'd take that over. I, I, I enjoyed that a lot more than I'm sure my husband enjoyed getting his testicles ripped off.
0: Mm -hmm. During the entire execution, not one member of the Bean family showed any sign of fear or remorse. They just continuously spat obscenities towards their captives. Through it all, and up until his final breath, Sonny Bean continuously repeated the phrase, in as loud a voice as he could muster, It isn't over. It will never be over.
1: What? What Does that mean he put a curse on them? I think so. Like he... <laughs> Man... Matt- if someone's ever murdering me or something like that, I'm going to say something like that so that they think that they're cursed and then they're haunted for the rest of their lives. Whether I did put a curse on them or not, they're going to think it and be yep. like, every time the wind moves, every time a grass touches their knees.
0: Every time a shadow crosses their path.
1: Yeah, that's better than <laughs> grass touches their <laughs> knees. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> Be like, oh no, the grass is touching my knees, that must be Dakota.
0: <laughs> In the other version of the story, the search party apparently placed gunpowder at the entrance of the bean cave, and the family suffocated to death inside.
1: Oh, I like the first one better. This is like, I, a few weeks ago I talked about it, like there was a shitty alternate ending to Titanic. Yeah. This is that one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Many years after their execution, the Bean family ledger was found, mixed in with the loot and jewelry, which had actually been locked away in the king's vault. It wasn't until reading the journal that anyone realized that two members of the Bean family were unaccounted for on the day of their execution.
1: It will never be over. It will never be over. Oh.
0: Since people had stopped going missing in the area, no one was sent to investigate the cave again. They simply assumed that the two must have already died in an earlier date. But who really does know what happened to those two?
1: What?
0: So I love telling you this story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It feels like a ghost story that you would tell around a campfire, but I'm really sorry that I'm going to burst your bubble right now.
1: Oh, fuck. It did not happen?
0: Uh, This tale can actually only be traced back to London chapbooks that were written 150 years after the events were said to have taken place. Now, we do know that this happens often in history. The story that I told you last week was one of those. And this isn't to discount oral traditions of stories, because that does happen. Uh, But it doesn't appear in academia, nor any of the newspapers at the time of Sonny Bean's alleged murderous rampage. So in 1430, people weren't writing stories in the newspaper about Mm. this person's gone missing. One would assume that if hundreds of people were going missing, it would show up in some sort of written record or another. Instead, it was retold in cheap publications that concentrated on lurid crimes, scandals among the nobility, and other sensational tales. So, kind of like early forms of the National Enquirer. Mm. It is possible that the tales of Sonny Bean were based on the story of an undeniably real cannibal robber named Christy Cleek. Christie was a butcher who became a highway robber in the Grampians, a mountain range in Scotland, in 1341. He equipped himself with a sharp hook on a long pole, which he pulled travelers to the ground before killing and robbing them. He is said to have eaten cuts of meat from the victims when he was short of food. So some fun facts. Wes Craven used Sonny Bean as the inspiration for his film, The Hills Have Eyes.
1: Oh, I didn't know Wes Craven did those movies. They're on my queue on Disney+.
0: <laughs> Disney so. Plus?
1: Yeah, well, Disney Plus has adult content now, so... Mm. It's... I would watch that with you. Oh, yeah?
0: Yeah. Okay, I've... I've seen it before.
1: Oh, really? Surprisingly. Yeah, I've never seen it, but, uh, yeah, this isn't this is your dad's Disney.
0: That's fair. Not only that, pop culture references appear in the anime Attack on Titan.
1: Oh, oh, I love... I Well, no, I don't love... I enjoy Attack on Titan. Okay. So...
0: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The film Judge Dredd. And even a brutal death metal band's lyrical concept album entitled "Inbreeding the Anpo- Anthropophagi," based on Sonny Bean and his inbred clan. Oh, interesting. So Dakota, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it was great. I uh, I don't. Do you like... seem to
0: like have less reactions to this one. What? How so? Well, I mean, sometimes you're like,
1: <gasps> well, I, I guess
0: it wasn't as gory as. It no, should no, have been. no. It
1: wasn't as like horrifying. The 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 testicular manslaughter really got me yeah that was awful because i could see myself you know and besides clearly i've already lived this right right you are agnes. i'm agnes and when they when he said it will never end what he actually meant was i was going to be reincarnated
0: Mm, perfect can't wait yeah so you're going to convince me to start eating pickled people Eaters. i already
1: have <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't like that it probably didn't happen, though. Right. Um, it, well, it still exists in the lore, so, like... Well, yeah, so do Red Caps, but... <laughs> good point. <laughs> they're not real, <laughs> or are mm-hmm. they? So, anyways, so... But that's not even gonna... That's not gonna lower my score. Excellent. It still uh, was a really fun ride to get where we were. Uh, I really liked the actual ending, not the alternate ending, because the actual ending was, like... Like, that's, again, a movie. Right. You know? like this is a movie. Yes, I love movies. And so do do you. You watch a lot of movies. You love movies. (laughs) So, yeah, these people are just, like, horrible. They're Mm. just like, let's do, okay, so we're going to do really horrible things. We're just going to dabble in cannibalism. But then let's, like, take it up a notch, you know? Let's do more cannibalism. You know what? Let's have some kids. Let's make them have sex with each other. I hate that part. Uh, Yeah, it's fucked up. But I like, felt like
0: sick every time I researched really? that part. I was yeah. Just, well.
1: So it's like they were just. It's like it's like the Agnes and Bean were trying to like one up each other every time. They're like, "Who, who convinced to do the cannibalism?" Agnes did. Yeah, apparently, okay. So Agnes was like, "What if we eat people?" And then um, they have kids, and then Beans like. I, I can do you one better. They're going to have sex with each other. <laughs> you just get so horrified every time. Yeah, I hate it. It's, it is awful. So, just the worst kind of people. Yes. I do not want to invite them to our board game night. Perfect. I don't want them either. Well, too bad because I am Agnes. So, I give this 8.6. <gasps> That's
0: a good one this year.
1: Cannibalistic clams. Out of 10. <laughs> Perfect. Cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, uh,. It was fun. It was. It's an interesting story. Which is story.
1: weird to say.
0: Yeah. Well, I <laughs> but know you. You know, mean.
1: you did tell me that I was going to love this one. Yeah. And now I know why. Yeah. You just say the word Anything cannibals. Anything to do with cannibals, you're there. into it. Yeah.
0: yeah. You're gonna get too cannibalized out. <sighs> like if I keep doing cannibal episodes, you're gonna be like, ugh, another one.
1: Yeah. Or I'm just gonna be like. Like cannibalism isn't gonna phase me, you know. I'm not when I start eating. And then you're gonna actually, yeah. Yeah, it's not gonna be like oh gross. I can't believe what I've done. Why am I eating my wife? Hey, it's gonna be (laughs) it's gonna be like, mmm, tastes like chicken. Stop it.
0: Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts, leave a review, or tell your friends about us, because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth.
1: And if you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, or on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast, or leave us a tip at buyminkoffee.com slash historian. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to TheReluctantHistorian at gmail.com. So,
0: we'll see you next week. Same time, same place.
1: And just know, this podcast will never end! Hey everybody, I'm Eric Erickson, host of The Open Highway. You know, I've
0: had some incredible adventures in my life, and... Along the way, I learned a little bit about everything, which, to be honest with you, is just enough to get me into trouble. But I bring that with me when I sit down with guests from the worlds of politics, news, science, current events, entertainment, and more.
1: The Open Highway with Eric Erickson.
0: Join me on The Open Highway, and let's have a conversation.
1: Find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Even when we're on a
0: budget, we still deserve nice things.